So we have with us Tomas Baldonado. <laughs> you like how I did that? that like I did that? Ultimo. <laughs> He's like, please. I'm sorry. Please stop doing that. Come on, you're not in Cancun. <laughs> this isn't Cozumel. <laughs> I'm just waiting for an R so I can roll the tongue. You even went fancier than I would. I would have been like, this isn't McAllen, Texas. You know, yeah, calm down. Exactly. <laughs> I was at a wedding recently, and this guy, older gentleman, walks up to me, and he's like, hey, what's your name? And I tell him my name's Tomas, and told him what I was doing there, rolling cigars and stuff. And he's I'm going to call you Julio. I was like, okay. Why would, you, later, why would you do that? Later, he's like sitting down in a chair, smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, and he's like, hey, Julio, get all. I was like... Whatever, dude. I was like, I'm not the cabana. Hey, racist white guy. Yeah, I was Let's like, go. I'm not the cabana boy. We're not all Julio. You yeah. should have been like, my name is Chad. Yeah. What, what is <laughs> exactly. I'm from the I'm valley. Not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Tomas, uh, you own and operate Ultimo Cigars. Tell us, tell us what that is, because we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ultimo Cigars, we are uh, the only cigar manufacturer in this part of the country. We hand roll premium cigars out of natural leaf tobacco traditional uh style um we use a different method and technique that i've created that allows us to have a different business model but other than that uh it's just done all by hand like you would normally find in cuba or dominican republic or honduras let's kind of break that down for everybody so do you know roughly how many premium hand rolled cigar factories are in the u.s sure so uh in the united states as of last year there was 162 manufacturing permits issued by the ttb which is how many are in florida Vast majority are in Florida. Uh, in California, I believe there's four licenses. Uh, there's one in Colorado. There's we're the only one in Oklahoma. Uh, there's one in Texas. There's a couple in New York. Uh, but of those 162 licenses, the majority of those are people who repackage. So they import, repackage, put their brand on it and stuff, and then resell it. So, you so have to they're function. not actually manufacturing. Yeah, they have stores. to function under the same licensing because mm. re, it, re, uh, repackaging and making available for retail or resell is a function of manufacturing. So of those 162 permits, there's only about 50 in the United States that do hand-roll cigars. And more than half of that are people that are in a cigar shop or a cigar lounge and have like one or two guys that hang out and roll cigars like on the weekend, more for show for their clients. Sure. So for full-time manufacturing, where all we do is just hand roll cigars and we manufacture for other people and stuff, we're one of about 20 in the United States. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So you are an actual factory, what you would call a micro factory? Yeah, I, I kind of coin ourselves as a micro factory. So it's kind of akin to the micro brewery. Uh, even our model, I, I model the business more toward the way the microbreweries operate with having like a core line of products and then having feature products that rotate. And so the way we manufacture and the way we make cigars allows us to have a lot more flexibility than traditional factories. So we can be able to cycle through different blends and do features for different holidays and things like that while maintaining a certain core lineup that we keep on hand at all times. Awesome. Awesome. So we usually like to kind of get a background Yeah. Uh, since you are a small business owner, entrepreneur, um, kind of take us through your, your cycle um, and how you got to this point right here. Well, it's a, 
<laughs> long story, uh, but I'll keep it short. We got time. <laughs> yeah. we got you, time. Have, you have 41 and a half yeah. minutes, so <laughs> right. good. Yeah, so, uh, so I started in the cigar business in Arizona. Um, I was basically traveling around the world uh, at a young age, and I would work three jobs and then quit, get uh, travel around the world, come back, get three new jobs. So by the time I was 20, I'd been to 14 different countries all over Europe, Central America, Mexico, and things like that. Um, I had done art, oil painting, wood sculpture, and was going down to Mexico and do workshops and stuff. Uh, and I was just looking for a job at the time, one of my multiple jobs I was looking for. And, and uh, I met this gentleman who had just opened up a second cigar store, and he told me, I'm going to be honest with you, I'd rather hire an old white guy. And I told him, well, why is that? He said, oh, old white guy's got nowhere else to go but but uh, be a greeter at Walmart. I could pay him $10 an hour, and I know he's not going to steal from me. That's fair. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'll I'm tell you what. i the days that I get to be a Walmart <laughs> greeter. Yeah. I'm going to be the best Walmart greeter. Yeah, exactly. It's coming. Uh, but yeah, so it was like, uh, I was kind of shocked by it. So I told him, I'll tell you what, I'll work for you for free for two days. If you don't like me, I'll go away. You'll never see me again. If I don't like you, you'll never, I'll never see you again. That's a great, great and, pitch. Uh, I love it. Yeah. So I worked for him for free for two days, taught myself everything I could possibly learn at the time. And I was 20 years old at the time. And, um, so we opened up a second shop or I helped him as he opened up his second shop. And then he ended up moving to California. I ran the business. We grew to five retail stores. Then I decided to build a website. He didn't want to invest in the website. So I taught myself PHP and JavaScript and HTML oh, wow. programmed uh, a website called tntcigars.com that went on to be very popular. Um, after the first three months of sales, we did about a quarter of a million in sales. And then it was constant renegotiation it was oh well i'm going to take your salary from here out of your percentage of ownership here and all these numbers that he was trying to basically figure out how to cut me out of the equation yeah right and so i just said you know what i'm just done i mean after seven years of dealing with that and you know i was going to central america developing cigars and importing them working with the factories and developing an entire new business model for this guy and um it just got to a point where i just said here's all the passwords i'm done i'm just walking out and I left. I got out of the cigar business and uh, went to Wine and Spirits and uh, decided to, I worked for uh, liquor distributors and brokers, did sales and marketing. Uh, and then about three years ago, four years ago, I kind of got the idea to get back into cigars uh, because I had, I was part of a team of three guys. We built a wine company for a Native American tribe called the Cedar Band of Paiutes out of Cedar City, Utah. And they decided to get into the wine business, so they hired the three of us to build this company for them from scratch. And after we built the company, built the brands, I was out marketing and visiting Native American tribes all over the country to get our wines into their casinos. And I was in Nebraska talking to the Winnebago tribe, and they were talking about, uh, they were asking me what I had done prior, and I told them I was in the cigar business. And we started talking about tobacco and the history between the Native American community and tobaccos and, and all that. And I started realizing that there were some tribes that produced cigarettes, but none of them produced premium cigars. So originally, I was going to import cigars like I used to and kind of be a middleman for the Native American communities mm -hmm. to be able to have their own brands to sell in their casinos. But again, the licensing was the same as being a manufacturer. Right. So I got to a point where I just decided I might as well just make the cigars, do a little bit as a side hustle. At the time, I was working for a food, a food distributor, and uh, I figured I could do a little side hustle thing, maybe roll cigars at the casinos. Some additional margin in that, yeah. probably. And so, uh, and so I went through that process and got the licenses after eight months of perseverance and taught myself all the legislation and all the regulation and got a commercial space and spent all this time and energy into it. 
two days later, I lost my job. And so after eight months Oof. of paying rent, after eight months of waiting for these licenses, here I am out of work and trying to figure out how I'm going to support my family. And now I have all this, this obligation. And uh, so I told my wife, I said, I'll, I'm just going to get the cigar thing going and start looking for a job. And if it doesn't work out, um, at least I have something moving forward, have momentum on the cigar thing if I can't find a job soon. And we waited six months, not a single call back. You know, I had 20 years of experience in my field and not a single call, not a single interview, nothing. Wow. And we just took it as a sign. Like, I mean, the business kept growing faster and faster. And we just took it as a sign that this is what I need to be doing. I need to be taking all of those experiences that I had and putting them together into one project that I can do for myself. And that's why the company is called Ultimo, because in Spanish, Ultimo means the last, but also means ultimate. And so for me, this is the last time I get to do something, um, to put that much effort in something and ultimately doing it for myself for the first time. That's awesome. And so instead of building things for other people and putting all my talent and energy into other people making money, uh, this time I can do it for myself. And that's the, why I call it Ultimo. Wow. So if I'm not mistaken, then correct me if I'm wrong, we were your first mobile Cigar rolling experience in Oklahoma? No, the first one was actually at Tulsa Air and Space Museum. Oh, okay. But yeah. we were close. Oh, yeah, so yeah you were the second one. Yeah. <laughs> we were second. Yeah, okay, you guys right. were the second one. Yeah. So that was Take for Godwood Axe throwing six-month anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how we even hooked up. It was probably it was through, through Instagram. E I think it was through Evan. Okay. Um, because I had met Evan at uh, Tulsa Hill Cigar Cellars. I was at an event there and I went to go talk to them because they carried the wine when I was in the wine business. And so I knew Twyla and, and some of the people that worked there and I let them know I was going to be getting into the cigar business. And they're like, yeah, we support you. You know, they really liked what I was doing before. And I, you know, I have luckily I had a good enough reputation around town with other businesses from what I did prior. So there was like no questions asked. So like, yeah, we'll take in the cigars for sure. Just let us know when they're ready. So oh, it's helpful. Yeah. So while I was at that event, uh, I was there with a friend and we sat down at a table and Evan was there and he started talking about his leather work and things like that. And, um, and I think that's kind of how it all came about. He started messaging me on Facebook and I think that he kind of put us, may have put us yeah. together or something. Yeah. Or put so shout out those Aries, that, uh, Aries yeah. Leatherworks. I was going to say, for those that don't know, Evan... He is my longest tenured axe coach, but I actually knew Evan well before I was axe throwing uh, through our last guest, Felix, mm -hmm. that I wasn't here. Felix, the knife maker, mm -hmm. Evan was making leather for Felix's knives, and that's how Evan and I met. Yeah. And then, twist of fate, Evan, being yeah. a cigar aficionado, met exactly. you, got us hooked up. You did one of your first mobile cigar rolling events Correct. at our yeah. six-month anniversary at got wood and then i think we were at another mobile event at nothing's left and, when yeah. i said evan was looking for an additional job and i was and, looking for help and, and you were and looking then, for help and you were and, like yeah hit up evan yeah. so i did and he's been with me for now just just under two years yeah it's crazy cigars yeah small yeah. world man. Yeah. yeah small small world and so it's, it's oklahoma it's tulsa man every, yeah. every time people tell me small <laughs> world i was like no it's tulsa yeah <laughs> so I'm sure, you, I'm sure you can attest to this so so the name of the podcast right Money walks, bullshit talks. The, the meaning behind that, we've all started businesses. We, you know, just the entrepreneurship, right? So we've seen a lot of money walk away, right? Yeah. And you just kind of went through 
one of those things, right? You did eight months uh, putting it, paying rent and in this commercial space and putting time and, and you know, all the resources into it and then lost your job and you're like, okay, what do we do now? And yeah. you have to go through. So I'm sure there were several, you know, speed bumps. Uh, legislation would be one that you probably constantly deal with, but run us through some of those things because we've all seen it. We've talked about them, what we've run into. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the things you ran into that maybe you didn't expect and then you had to work through to, to kind of get over that hump? Yeah, well, the main thing is that uh, in the cigar industry specifically, you have to normally wait for cigars to go through a curing process. And so as I was rolling the cigars and letting them out to retail, I was getting feedback. And that feedback was the tobacco tastes a little bit young or maybe this cigar was a little bit plugged. And, and the reason for that is because uh, in most cases you store the leaf dry usually in a warehouse, or in my case, I was storing it in bags, dry. And what's happening is it continues fermentation and traps ammonia in the tobacco. And then you put it into a cigar, you have to wet it so it's pliable. And then it's going to go through an expansion and then a contraction, and it's going to have to dissipate that ammonia. Otherwise, you get a bitter or what they call a young flavor. So this period of time they call the sick period. Well, having lost my job, I didn't have the time and the capacity to sit and wait for these cigars to go back or to get better. Mm-hmm. And being that I'm right there locally, people would walk in with like a half smoked cigar and say, Hey, this one was bad. And there was no way for me to determine that in advance, if it was a smokable cigar or not, unless I put it in my mouth and pull air through it and then give it to them. And I got my cooties. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so what I ended up having to do was first thing I did was I built a draw test machine. So I went out and did some research and found a, a way that I can build a machine that pulls vacuum through the cigars and then gives me a reading. Have you seen and, this? Uh, Not in person. Yeah, it's no. pretty cool. It yeah, so ass. so basically it pulls vacuum through the cigar and then through a pressure relief valve that's connected to a magnetic gauge, which measures changes in atmospheric pressure in inches of water. And so it's measuring the change in atmospheric pressure within the chamber where the cigar is. And so as a cigar creates an obstruction, it's measuring the negative pressure that's created by the obstruction. And so we can determine with certainty how much air is passing through one cigar, and we draw test every single one of our cigars. So most factories don't draw test their cigars, and the ones that do usually do batch testing, uh, where they'll test one every so often. Sure. And uh, we draw test every single one of our cigars to ensure it's going to be a quality smoke. So that was one aspect. The other aspect was the plug cigars. So I had built a room. What does that mean? So plug cigar means that uh, uh, you can't get air through it, right? So once we start realizing that we had a higher failure rate and I started determining that uh, the methods, the traditional methods and techniques that, that are out there that most factories operate with, uh, they have a high failure rate. Most factories operate around 80% fail, uh, success, meaning that 20% of their cigars are failures, and that's what you get in like cheap bundles and mm-hmm. factory seconds and things like that. Uh, we operate now at a 99% success rate. And so it's a significantly higher success rate. And the reason why is because I had to then reverse engineer the process and determine where the failure is. So what I decided was that the big failure was the tobacco being damp. It collapses and creates a plug cigar and it creates knots in the cigar, essentially. And it's hard to train people to overcome that because it's all about feel. Right. And mm-hmm. you got to just feel the tobacco, know when it's pliable enough and know when it's not collapsed and all that. So I decided instead of wetting the tobacco, I'm going to humidify it. So by keeping it in a climate controlled room, 
we're accomplishing two things. We're keeping the tobacco in a constant state of readiness so we can roll it without adding water. Uh, and what that does is help shorten the dry period. So now we're not having to wait months for the cigar to be ready. Uh, and then two, what that does, it also allows it to dissipate the ammonia inside that room before we put it into a cigar. So also very cool. So yeah. have you seen this? Uh, no. So he ready. has a full horrible, room. Horrible friend. I've never, <laughs> I was like, I've never actually, <laughs> do you even, I've known him three years. I've never actually been know to, this guy. Yeah. Been Can you pronounce his, his last name? Uh, no. <laughs> don't, don't put that on me, but, Ricky. But Bobby. it is super cool. So you go in and it's a full room of leaves hanging. It's just all hanging. And it's, I'm, I'm assuming it, the room is to a particular humidity. Yeah. Depending yeah. on the leaf or do you just no. have all your so, leaves? So we, so when I went through the process of developing this aging room, um, I had to determine what was the ideal climate that's a balance between the filler leaf, which goes into the cigar, and the wrapper leaf, which goes on the outside of the cigar. Because you hang them both in there. Yeah. So the wrapper leaf has to be at a higher humidity so it's pliable and can stretch and create a flat cigar. And you don't have any of the, the veins kind of bunched up and you want to flat, flatten it out. So it has to be a high, high humidity to do that. But if we were to keep the filler leaf, which is in the inside of the cigar, at that same climate, it would take longer for it to dry out and be a smokable cigar. So I found a balance. And it's really just a matter of dew points and temperature. There's a formulation in terms of temperature and moisture. Um, before Science. You get molding <laughs> and dew points and things like that. Uh, the system that we use is it's a machine that's from a company called Nortec. It's out of Canada, and they actually use the same system for surgical rooms. Because in a surgical environment, they need humidity so blood doesn't dry while they're co operating. Mm -hmm. But they also can't contaminate the air. So this, this system is a much more elaborate uh, cleaning system that cleans the water, purifies it much more than your traditional reverse osmosis or even just distillation. It uses electrolysis and stuff. And so uh, this helps us be able to prevent um, the alkaline in the tobacco from coming to the surface uh, and, uh, and building on the surface, but also helps prevent uh, other uh, contaminants in the water from building film on the surface of the tobacco. Sure. And also helps us keep out mold. So there has to be a certain balance in all of that. So from there, uh, we, we store about 60 types of leaf at all times. We have tobacco from Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, Brazil, Ecuador, Paraguay, Mexico, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Dominican Republic, Honduras, Africa, Indonesia. Holy crap. Um, is that all, all over the world? Are there other places? <laughs> there are a few other places, but yeah, we get stuff from all over the world. So our blends in our cigars are much more um, complex and layered in flavor uh, because we'll have anywhere from four countries up to eight countries represented in one blend in our cigars. So again, that, that gives us a lot more flexibility being able to go from leaf to smoke in 24 hours. We don't have to wait for the period for the tobacco to be able to cure or dry or dissipate ammonia or anything like that because it's all prepped and done in advance through this room um, so it's really like you mentioned it's, it's growing pains it's it's learning how uh what obstacles are present in your in the industry that you're wanting to go into and then figuring out how to overcome and eliminate those obstacles or those variables that create obstacles and so and that's what i've done in the cigar industry is basically Every time I ran into something, I would look at the root cause and try to eliminate the variables that create that failure, that create that problem. And then I've created a system in how we make our cigars where we can operate at a significantly higher efficiency rate than a traditional factory. Which you have to because you're not machine rolling. It's you're, all you're, done You're by hand, hand rolling with 
you know, a few and how many people do you have rolling at, this at the moment? It's just Evan and I, we're actually okay. trying to hire more people. And, Cause I know uh, I walked in and I've seen four people rolling or more. Yeah. So. We've had other people in the past go through the, the issue is that a lot of people have this romanticized idea about what it means to be a cigar roller. And you know, they think there's going to be Cuban women and music playing and mojitos. And, <laughs> so and are stuff. you saying there's <laughs> not, <laughs> not every day. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me yeah. mark this off yeah. my list here. <laughs> There no. goes that dream. Yeah. But. And so it's, it's a job, you know, there's still, it's a function of manufacturing. And so there's still efficiency. That's re- a consideration. There's also uh, commitments that we make events, functions, you know, we do a lot of proprietary blends for other people, for other retailers uh, and individuals who want their own blend of cigars. And so we have a lot of private clients that want their own blend that's exclusive for them. And so when somebody calls us up and says, uh, for example, Hochertown Distillery down in Southeast, Southeast Oklahoma, we make two cigars that pair with their two bourbons. Sneaky snake. <laughs> oh, that's Mountain Fork. Yeah, uh, they're in Hochertown, yes. Red Fork. Yeah. We do one with Red Fork for Red Fork here in Tulsa. Oh, I yeah. thought you were saying Mountain. Uh, what am I thinking? Hochertown Distillery, Mountain Fork Brewery. Yeah. Yeah, that's right next to each other. Which yeah. is in Hochertown. So that's and they're, right, they're, they're, they're yeah. right next to each other. Yeah. Yeah, so so <laughs> so we partner with them. We make a cigar that's exclusive that you can only get at their dist- at the distillery mm-hmm. in the gift shop, and uh, so they'll call us up and order two hundred cigars, and we have to have them ready for the next week. And so wow. that's that's the great thing about the system that I've created is it allows us to go get that faster return on the investment in terms of the business aspect of it, but also gives us a lot more flexibility in what kind of business we can take on. Yeah, just the turn time alone. I mean, a, a larger factory couldn't turn that. No, right? they don't have the, fle- the, the the versatility to be able to do that. So if right. somebody wanted to create their own brand in a traditional manner, uh, they're going to get a cigar that's off the shelf because traditional factories build to anticipated demand for future demand. Yep. And so if you want cigars tomorrow, they can provide you with cigars tomorrow, but they're going to be cigars that were already made months ahead of time so you have no opportunity to customize that cigar there's a real good chance that even though it's your wrapper on that cigar your your label yeah that that's the same cigar somebody else could be selling correct yeah 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 so you don't do that right no no we if we make custom blends for yeah so we make we make a if it's a it's if it's in their profile and that's their blend we will not recreate that that blend and that's an exclusive blend for that individual person as long as they keep it active and so keeping us so for example uh like i mentioned earlier we were talking and a gentleman came in and we did a blend that pairs with buffalo trace he gave Mm -hmm. me a couple flavor notes what he was trying to achieve and then I just basically engineered a cigar to achieve those flavors and then bring out certain complementary flavors out of the bourbon itself. As long as he buys one bundle of 20 per year, at once a year, that blend that is his. It may, remains how, his. Yeah. For one bundle of 20. Yeah. How long does it take to get a, a custom? What's your waiting list right now like to get a, a custom uh, We've got blend? about two more in the works. Uh, but it's, it's Give me growing. a time, Tomas. Give me a time. <laughs> so you've done yeah. this. You actually did this for us. Um, Correct. Gotwood and Morningwood Coffee specifically paired with a local brewery. Uh, nothing's left. Mm-hmm. Made a coffee stout. And then you actually made us a cigar that paired with that. Correct. And then you've done that with numerous other breweries and distilleries yeah. within Oklahoma and beyond, I believe. Yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. Um, you've, you've done them for uh, Dead Armadillo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Red Fork Distillery. Red Fork Distillery. Tulsa. We do one with uh, Vortex Alley. That's a, they make an imperial stout that, that they sell exclusively at the Grand Cigar Lounge in Ponca City. Hmm. And we make a cigar to pair with that imperial stout that you can only get that cigar at the Grand Cigar Lounge. So they got their own so beer a, and a their own very cigar. exclusive yeah, yeah. pairing there. You Correct. can only get that, you can only get that from beer that one place. and that cigar in that one bar. That's, so back to me. Um, <laughs> 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 what, how long would it take with where you are right now if someone came up to you let's say hypothetically it's me it's me um, <laughs> someone came in they said hey I want something to pair with XYZ here's what I'm going for so from that point I know you've got questions you would ask them you would go through all this kind of stuff what does that look like from beginning to the time you're delivering their first bundle within a week no shit. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so, talk. yeah. So, the way th- it's, a, it's a really cool process. I got to be a little involved with it. Yeah. But, um, like you said, you, you have a product you want it paired with, say, and you describe kind of the, the notes that you want out of that. And they'll prepare several blends. And then you go in and actually do a testing. And you can do a testing. Um, I kind of relied on Tomas yeah. and Evan. To do it because <laughs> no, no, they're this the is experts. good. This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you can actually go in and, and do testings of, of your blends to see which ones you like and prefer. And but yeah, the, yeah. So like when we do for out of state clients, um, they'll go on our website and fill out a portfolio or a profile rather. Uh, and within that profile, it's asking specific questions: What size do you like? What are we uh, supposed to be doing? This? Sorry, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> if you like a mild cigar or a strong cigar, certain things like that. But and also flavor notes. But you got to understand is that vanilla to one person may taste different to another person. Everybody's Absolutely. palate is different. So not only do we ask them specific flavor notes that they want to achieve, but we also ask them for inspiration cigars. So we'll take a list of three or four inspiration cigars and smoke those cigars and dissect the flavor profile and basically sounds like a horrible job it's a terrible thing to do (laughs) Um, but what we're doing is really i'm i'm determining what are the common flavor elements of those cigars that they aspire their cigar to be and so by finding those common flavor elements it helps me to really determine what it is that actually attracts them to these to these cigars so they may say i like vanilla or i like leather or i like chocolate but they really might mean they like something totally different or what they get out of it is vanilla flavors or chocolate flavors but what i get out of it is something totally different so i just try to recreate a, a a new profile for that individual based off of the cigars that they're recommending. And then based off of that, those become my core elements that I try to achieve. And then I build the cigar around those core elements. And then that point, if they're in state, they can come into the shop and we sit down and do a blending session where they get to sample each individual leaf one at a time that goes into the cigar so they can see what each leaf imparts into the flavor. Mm -hmm. Then they sample the naked bunch, which is the body of the cigar without a wrapper. And then they sample it with the wrapper. So they get to determine um, and be able to understand with certainty what each individual leaf imparts into the whole um, of the cigar itself. And I have yet to have anybody say that they want any changes to any of the cigars that we've made. Um, it's a little bit different process. So you know what you're doing. 
you know, I, I, I approach it from like more of a winemaker's perspective. You know, a winemaker looks at anatomy, uh, the anatomy of taste and the anatomical responses of your taste buds and your salival glands and things like that. And so, the, again, there's another science that's involved, the secondary science that's involved in the flavor development aspect of it. And so we try to I try to achieve balance. I try to achieve a certain level of activation of salival glands. And through the different tobaccos, you can actually activate um more salival activity to create more of a density of mouthfeel based off of the residual oils within the tobacco. So if you use more of the ligero leaf from the top of the plant, uh, it has more residual oils because it's a hardier leaf because that's what's exposed to the wind. It's exposed to the sun. So it's a hardier leaf and it retains more, more of those natural oils. But those natural oils carry into the smoke and creates activation in your salival glands, which then creates more of like a density of mouthfeel. So you can create a cigar that almost feels chewable when you have the smoke in your mouth. Uh, or you can make one that, that dries your mouth a little bit depending on what you're pairing with it and you get a little bit more of an acidic taste to it. Now, if we're pairing with beer or things like that, we look at all those different things and I look at all the different variables because beer is hops and other things that they add into it that are more acid based whereas tobacco is alkaline based and those two things don't mix and so trying to create uh, a way to fool the palate into thinking that they're that you're tasting other flavors and be able to uh, settle down some of the acidity by creating more density of of salival activity so that way the acid doesn't bite into your palate as much and it doesn't mix and give you bitter flavors so again there's there's botany involved in terms of understanding the tobacco. There's uh, anatomy involved in terms of understanding the flavor of taste. There's engineering involved in terms of how we manufacture the cigars and the techniques and everything and how we manage the tobacco and building the equipment required. And I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of steps to, to be able to get through it. And plus there's all kinds of regulations and taxes and all kinds Ugh. of other stuff on it. You know, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. You pay taxes? Yeah. whoops whoops um so one of the things we were talking about earlier and and i wanted to definitely make time to to get into it and i'll tell you why in a second but the changes the the fda regulations that are they're coming about um and and the reasons behind them Mm -hmm. and then i'll tell you my reason behind why and you guys are gonna laugh at me actually you may not you already know you're gonna laugh at me so so run us through some of the obviously the 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 law changes about some of the flavored outer sure. wraps and such. Yeah. So, um, since the introduction of vapes, um, FDA has been doing a ton of changes in how they regulate tobacco nicotine based products. Um, one of them is the regu- the, the registration process. You know, they have different registration processes and, uh, there's still in debate in, in terms of all of that, the requirements for registering a product with the FDA, um, all of our cigars fall under the category of premium cigar. And so the one thing that's come of all this in the, over the course of the last four years that has been debated is there is a final definition for what makes a premium cigar a premium cigar. And it differentiates it from what you find in a gas station. So a premium cigar has to be 100% hand rolled with no assistance from machinery other than a hand levered uh, Lieberman machine, which is usually used for the bunching process. Um, aside from that, it has to be all long, uh, minimum 50% long filler, meaning that the whole leaf all the way through the length of the cigar, uh, minimum 50% long filler. So a lot of the cheaper chop filler cigars don't fall under the category of premium cigar. They can't have any additional flavor additives uh, that other than the natural flavor from the tobacco. Hmm. So that's where we get into the grapes and the Optimos and the backwoods as well as other premium, what 
had been considered premium flavored cigars like acid from Drew Estate, things like that. Okay, that's why I brought it up. So I do, I've got a, a big humidor, and because I've done the bundle, the um, what did we call them earlier? Basically, the ones that didn't pass. Factory seconds. Yeah. 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 So that's how I filled the entire bottom of it, and then I've got my good ones up top, right? Sure. But what I enjoy smoking are acids yeah. because of the sugar the, the sugar solution that they soak the outer wrap and i'm not i don't know this for a fact i don't know if i'm saying it correctly but i like that sweet taste which is why i'm like a 17 year old oh not that 17 year old smoke but um 21 smoke kids right oh it is 21 now isn't yeah. it God, yeah. even, uh, so so i do like that so that's what we were talking about is yeah. that's going to come under different regulation or or yeah, so now they're actually working on completely eliminating flavored tobacco products or flavored nicotine-based products. And that's what and this so, would be considered. Yeah, so what they're, what they're basically doing is they're using, uh, they're using menthol cigarettes as their primary target. But the language and how they would regulate menthol cigarettes will also regulate every other tobacco-based product that's flavored. And the reason why is because they say menthol cigarettes are make it easier to smoke menthols. It targets a certain consumer and things like that, more accessible to children. Uh, but in addition to that, flavored vapes and other, other nicotine products attract are more attractive to children. Sure. Now, of course, acids and stuff are more of a premium price point, and they're less likely. Children are less likely to access a more premium cigar like that that you would find only in a traditional tobacco shop rather than a gas station. But because Thanks for making me not feel like a child, I appreciate that. <laughs> but because of the categorization of the tobacco products, those fall under that that whole umbrella because they're no longer considered a premium cigar. Wow. And so because they're no longer considered a premium cigar, they're basically lumped up with backwoods you know, uh, Swisher Sweets and all these other products. So the, the great thing about this and, and one of the things that makes you a successful entrepreneur is forward thinking. You know all of this for a certain reason because you were proactive and progressive within the market and you've developed now your own blunt wraps, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah. Knowing that these regulations were coming and that was severely going to impact impact correct there's some uh, hesitation <laughs> your own <laughs> blunt wraps yeah yeah that's well, essentially that's what they are right, yeah, yeah absolutely right. we call them ultimo wraps because swishers and and the backwoods and all that aren't going to be available anymore exactly and a lot of people have grown accustomed to smoking yeah marijuana huge, huge gap in the absolutely. market that way well, yeah. so there's going to be a gap in the market right? yeah so what we're finding is that people who do normally consume that way with the backwoods and these other non-premium cigars that they cut open and fill with cannabis um, the major complaints that we're getting that i hear is they get headaches when they smoke it that way and they get a sore throat uh, and so it has a negative effects on their smoking experience and right now we're at a point where the cannabis industry is becoming a connoisseur market just like the cigar industry is and so for us to be able to take our, uh, our exotic leaves that are natural fermented leaf and a much cleaner smoke uh, that doesn't give them the headaches and it doesn't give them the sore throat like the chemical fermented tobaccos that they right. that they're used to and the other additives that they put into those things um, what we're finding is that they're they're liking pairing these premium cannabis products with premium tobacco. 
there are going to be people who stay away from tobacco altogether. Uh, there's some dispensaries who are like, hey, we're medicinal and we don't want to add tobacco because that's kind of a counterintuitive for, for our market. And then there's some who are saying, hey, you know what, this is a great alternative to those um, backwoods and stuff and be able to show my clientele a better quality product. And so we do it as a package where we hand trim the leaf, we inspect the leaf, we hand trim it. And so you don't have any holes, you don't have tears, you don't have sunburns or any blemishes on the tobacco. It's hundred percent yield. Uh, whereas when you're taking a chance and cutting something open, you can tear it and you end up get another one. Um, I mean, I've never done that, but I hear that doing that you can lose a lot yeah yeah that's yeah. so by, but by getting a hundred percent yield you know makes it a great value you're getting exotic leaves for our assortment pack we'll have uh, mexican san andres wrapper we'll have brazilian cubra wrapper and we'll have ecuadorian habano wrapper in our sample pack and then we put in uh, cigar glue so that way you don't have to lick it uh, especially when you're passing it around people are more conscious about germs and stuff why uh, you know so if you some dude sitting next to me is licking all over it and hands it to me. I want to say, <laughs> first of all, I don't smoke that stuff. Second of all, <laughs> hard pass. it's going to be, uh, I don't want your saliva all in my mouth. Um, but by using the glue, uh, it's the same glue that we use for the cigars. It's all natural plant-based glue. Uh, that we use for our cigars. We put a little container of it in the package. We also put a humidification pack in there so it keeps it fresh and you don't have to worry about it drying out. And then we do 3D printed uh, biodegradable filter tips that glow in the dark that we put into our kit. So Sweet. it's like basically everything you need. And then we also provide roller tins where it's a tin that basically is a little Lieberman machine that we use for cigars, but it's a small version of a, like a cigarette roller uh, and it rolls the blunt for you. So you just pack it with your, you put the Brilliant. leaf in there, you pack it with your marijuana and you put your filter tip and when you close the lid, it rolls it for you and you're done. That's, yeah. He goes, wow. <laughs> where, where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the angels. But really it is, it is kind of a wow moment. Do you, yeah. can you attribute that uh, to one certain time or event? Where were you when you thought, this is what I want to do well, next? Well, actually it was... Uh, it was before the regulation started, the talks of outlawing flavored cigars and stuff came up, before the, the backwoods and stuff were in threat of, of being canceled, essentially. Um, it's just customers. It's, it's following, following my consumer's demand. I've had enough people walk into my shop and say, hey, do you just sell fronto leaf? Or do you just sell just the leaves? I had a guy come in yesterday, Saturday, and uh, he's looking at me rolling a cigar. I said, hey, do you sell just that, what you wrap it in? As a matter of fact, I do. Here you go. And, you know, and, and that's that's really what it is. It's listening to the consumers and seeing where the market in the cannabis industry, where the trend is going. And, uh, you know, you're seeing people like Mike Tyson getting into the wraps and he does a, a high end uh, terpene infused hemp wrap. And they're selling for six dollars a piece for just one wrap, you know. And so being able to see that there's a premium consumer for the cannabis industry looking for something as an alternative to the gas station cigars. That's really what drove me into putting together this, this product. And then from there, it's then following the, the trends in the, the regulation and then determining, Hey, right now is really a good time to push this. You I know? actually saw a meme this morning that said, when dispensaries start looking like Apple stores, it's time to let a lot of people out of jail. Uh -huh. And, and that's, Kind exactly. of the trend we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's becoming a higher-end, marketable product instead Absolutely. of something uh, before that was kind of under the table and yeah. shady. Yeah, uh, right. It reminds me of 
Tom Segura, he did a special yeah, and he was I guess talking about in Colorado and he went and bought some weed with a friend and he was like, I'm going to go put this in the car. And the guy was like, why? Tape it to your forehead. Nobody cares anymore. You know, <laughs> exactly. so it's kind of... You, it's mainstream. Yeah. And, and you saw kind of by listening to your consumers and seeing where the attention is, yeah. kind of a, a spot in the market that you could exactly. use your tobacco experience and, and kind of get a piece of the cannabis market as well. Exactly. Without actually venturing into, into the, the cannabis, cannabis industry. Yeah. yeah. And there are plans down the road for develop other products and stuff that will involve cannabis directly. Um, and so that I've some stuff that I'm working on patenting some, some things and being able to get into the cannabis industry, some with things and some stuff and some yeah. things. So, so what is the next step? Let's, let's for the, uh, Ultimo wraps. That's it. it yeah. That's yeah. what it is. So the Ultimo wraps, how do you plan on getting out in front and, and you know, like we were just talking about, this is going to create a, a big gap in the market mm -hmm. for someone to jump in and, and take that market share. So how do you plan on getting ahead of that? Obviously you've done your R and D you've, you've packaged it beautifully, put it all together. I wish you would have brought, well, yeah, I would have loved yeah. to see that. Um, but how do you get it out there and make sure that you're getting as much of that market share as you can, at least regionally and locally? Sure. So what I, so what I realize is that there's, there's two ways to go about doing distribution. One way is to direct distribute and try to get it into smoke shops, right? But I'm going to get a wholesale price. Mm -hmm. And at that wholesale price, it has to have a secondary markup and stuff. And uh, it might be a little bit higher price for what a traditional smoke shop is going to want to carry because right. it's a premium product and it's trained by hand. So that's one way to go about that. And I'm getting a reduced margin that way. Or I could take the same margin and white label and develop a product for other people who have the time and energy to market for themselves and the passion to market for themselves under their own branding. And then we do the all the order processing and everything. So it's basically um, drop ship. Mm -hmm. And so we can be able to get people into the industry with our cigars as well as the wraps under their own branding, help them select the tobaccos that they want to select and be able to develop packaging and everything else. And then we do all the order fulfillment. We do all the back end stuff on our end. And we're basically the manufacturer, the wholesaler and the retailer. And they're the salesperson. And this way we're getting in the same margin as if I sold to Joe Blow's smoke shop, but Joe Blow's smoke shop's less motivated to get that product out. Right. So for me, it makes more sense to find the individual who has the motivation to be able to drive their market for themselves. And it gets our product into the consumer's hands just the same. It's just under their brand rather than under my brand. So I'm, I'm already... Feeling wet beaver blunt wraps. I'm liking that. <laughs> Done. Yeah. 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 So what that does, a lot, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they're they're not dry. They're wet. You know, it's just like I love it. Yeah, I love it. I just don't know where it came yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. That's random. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you got to work a beaver in every situation. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. I that do. Part. Yeah. You do. <laughs> yeah. You try to squeeze a beaver in there as many times as you can. And yeah. This is where my wife turned it off. She's like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, and. Pause. Beaver talk. <laughs> It'll get you every time. Yeah. So, so to me, the, you know, having looked at the market, looked at our margins, look at where we, where we, our strong suits are. My strong suit is 
manufacturing, it's creating efficiencies, it's creating new ideas, creating new products, um, getting out and, and marketing and being in front of people and trying to sell a product. And I don't have the time and the capacity to do that, but somebody else will. And so if we can give them a unique product and unique uh, idea and be able to say, hey, I'll get my cut by making it for you and manufacturing and do all that. And then you get your cut by going out and selling it then that's just the same as me hiring a salesperson and having to pay a payroll, you know, and still taking it out of my profit margin, just the same. Right. So it's one of one and one of another. It's like, it's balanced out either way, one way or another. It's just looking at my, my strengths and being able to play to my strengths and where my time can be spent. Well, and you know, some of these guys, the, the, the backwoods and, and those traditional, um, uh, products that are used as the blunt wraps. I mean, they're going to be scrambling to try to find something to fill it because it's, yeah. that's, I mean, I, I don't know what the number is, but it's got to be some very, yeah, very they, large. They, they're themselves. looking for loopholes and they're looking for ways to get, get exemptions mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to change the definition of their products. And there's all kinds of stuff that's going to be going on in that industry because those are all backed by major corporations. You know, Swedish, right. Swisher Sweets is not just some small, little company, yep. you know, and backwoods is not made by just some small little company. You know, you got huge corporations behind those brands. So they're going to fight for their piece. It's not going to come overnight that they're going to, that this legislation is going to kick everything out. Right. So that gives an opportunity to get a foothold and create that consumer trial basis and things like that and be able to get the name out, get the brand out, get the products into people's hands, find some ambassadors, find some people to champion the product. So my client down in Texas that we're doing raps for, uh, the gentleman's um, family owns a recording studio and they're primarily hip hop artists and stuff. And so he wanted to start his own raps and be able to sell them through his channel um, and put it in the hands of the hip hop artists and stuff. And so great, that's a good consumer for that. Well, there's also another consumer that's more of the clean cut professional who doesn't like going into little shady places and they feel comfortable walking into my shop and picking up a premium blunt wrap. Um, and the Ultimo wraps and stuff doesn't really allude too much to what it is. And, right. Um, there's a lot of con connoisseurs who grow their own cannabis at home who just have like six plants, the maximum, and they love their stuff and they want a product that's going to help their, pro their stuff shine. And, and, uh, you know, that's, there's a consumer for everything. There's different levels Absolutely. to it. And we sell to, uh, wraps to a local uh, dispensary and uh, motherland up in North Tulsa. And we just did a packaging for him under his own label. And um, we, he wanted just one specific type of wrap. So instead of being the assorted pack and having all the bells and whistles and stuff, he's saying, Hey, my consumer wants to just have one or two when they need it and at a lower price point. It's like, not a problem. Here we go. Here's some great quality wraps. You can still sell it to your consumer as an alternative to backwoods and a comparable price point and still make money on it. And you know, that fits his customer base and, uh, and you know, they're forward thinking and they're real cool people and real trendy people. And they want to be on top of things in, in their shop. And that gives them a differentiation being able to offer something unique in their dispensary. And this and is so, also kind of enabling younger and upcoming entrepreneurs as well. So if there's somebody exactly. out there that wants their own private label cigar or blunt wrap or both even, they could get with you and you could help them create their own brand mm -hmm. and basically help them forego a lot of the pitfalls that young entrepreneurs 
succumb to in the beginning because you have the experience and the knowledge Correct. of the market to say no you you should go this direction or that direction and whatnot so yeah well, that's, that's pretty basically exciting. what it is yeah. it's, it's coaching that. coaching them through the process and being able to say hey I, I went through all of this so you don't have to right and be able to say I can make a process whereby which you can generate some passive income we do all the processing, we do all the orders, we do everything because we are the manufacturer, the retailer, and the wholesaler and everything for you on the back end. All you're doing is basically selling the product and generating that passive income. And you know, we do charge a handling fee and everything because I have to make money as well, yeah, of course. take time to do all that. So the margin might be a little bit smaller than if you were direct selling, buying the product from me and then reselling it, but we're saving you so much on the, on the back end. Uh, from having to get the licenses, a permit, a commercial space, maintaining the tobaccos, the cigars, having to have a humidification system. I mean, all this other stuff that you don't have to do because we do it for you. Right. That's so, amazing. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the cigar and the private label stuff. Mm -hmm. If I come to you and make some kind of arrangement to where you're going to, because you do all the drop ship and everything, mm -hmm. correct? Yes, sir. Is there a minimum required? Like if I set up a website and said, hey, buy Jason's cigars, can I buy, could somebody go on there and buy one cigar and you're going to fulfill that so, order? Or is That's there... entirely up to you. Okay. And so what we do is we work out a deal with you, for example, and it's going to be, you know, if you wanted to go forward with the coffee, you know, the Buzz Beaver and mm -hmm. have the Beaver Fever That was cigar. wet beaver? No, no. The cigar. The, the cigar oh. was Beaver Fever. Yeah. And so, or <laughs> yeah, it went with buzzed beaver beer. Yeah. So if you wanted the cigar Wet beaver wraps, that's coming soon. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So if you wanted that to be a product that you make available, then we have a arrangement where you pre-purchase inventory at a certain level. So you're pre-purchasing, say a hundred cigars at a time. And we hold that inventory for you and we make it in advance. So that way we don't have to take the time from our normal day to make one cigar for one order. Right. And so we hold that inventory, um, and be able to fill your orders from that inventory. Once that inventory depletes, then we just restock the inventory and we bill you for the next hundred. Is and that's how it works. A shelf life on a, a, a premium cigar, like no, as long as you it keep it definitely. Yeah, yeah, as long as you keep it in the right climate, humidity, and everything, then it'll be. It'll so, say you had one certain blend that wasn't selling as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got a hundred of them in inventory. You still have time to sell those and push Correct. them. And, yeah. And could we come to you and say, "Hey, this one's not really moving. Let's discount it a little bit." Or? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's again, totally for, on us. We've yeah. already paid you. Exactly. We've okay. we've gotten our wholesale price so for if the we cigars. Only want to make a penny on the cigar. That's Correct. Completely yeah. Ridiculous. And then the same thing. We've got a gentleman that we're working on right now, developing a blend using our dropship model. And uh, you know, he asked me a similar question: well, Should I sell them as individuals or two packs or five packs? And I tell him. You just got to do the math. It's a, it's a function of economics. Mm -hmm. And we're going to charge you a flat rate $3 handling fee because we got to pay for the ink to print the labels. We got to pay for the labels. We got to package it and everything else like that. And given the average time to pack an order at a certain hourly rate that I pay employees or whatever, I got to charge you $3 to pack an order, whether it's one cigar or 20 cigars. So you determine how much you're willing to go down on a specific order and you're where your break even point is. And usually that's going to go point. way down. And I, and yeah. I know we deal with shipping on, on some of our products as well. Um, there's a, there's a certain cutoff to where shipping gets exponentially more expensive. Depending so on so like we cigars, do flat rate. You, yeah. Yeah. We just do flat we rate. Do one up to probably 
50 at a flat rate, correct? Yeah. So when we do, uh, so for example, we can fit 10 cigars in a small flat rate box. Okay. That's 850. Uh, or anything beyond that, we can fit up to four boxes of cigars in a medium flat rate box, which is 1550. And so that we pass that into the consumer. So, and I was going to say, from a consumer standpoint, it makes sense to buy more since you're paying a flat rate shipping. Yeah, yeah you get on it. one to ten cigars, it's going to be the same shipping cost. And yeah. for the your private label customer, the handling fee is the same. Mm -hmm. So it, it behooves him to want to sell more Correct. as a package. Or, yeah, so or it, it makes it more sense to say, I'm going to do five packs, ten packs, and twenty. You know, it yep. doesn't make sense to do anything less than five. So if I'm selling the cigars at say $10 a piece on a five pack, it's $50. Uh, my wholesale price on that would have been maybe $5. So you're making $5 profit per, per cigar. So you're making $50 or $25 profit on a five pack. You'd back out your $3 handling fee. Now you make $22 passive income on that five pack order as opposed to two cigars. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> you know why I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's math. <laughs> I love it. You yeah. keep saying passive, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're actually at the end of our time. Really, that went yeah, fast. Yeah. I know. Time flies when you're sober. And you're um, learning things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean it was. It's crazy how much science goes into this, and and we've spoken over the last couple of years quite a bit, but. I had no idea that it really went that deep. Um, yeah. And I've actually, because I'm a much better friend, I've been to your shop several <laughs> times. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I've seen all this stuff. But uh, man, thank you so much for, for being here, yeah, Tomas. Yeah, glad to be here, um, Look forward to working with you more. And I think looks like we'll be reaching out to you soon with some other <laughs> idea. Real quick for everybody, all the yeah. seven people yeah. that are going to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Give us all your socials and, oh, yeah. and where they can reach you. Yeah, and, Facebook, uh, Instagram, it's at Ultimo Cigars. Uh, TikTok is Ultimo Tomas. Um, TikTok. Yeah, oh, the Tiki Tac. Yeah, I get on the TikTok. I think. The TikToks. Let me check. I had one going semi viral right before we walked in the door oh. today. Let's see. Uh, Define semi viral. It, it's at 33.7 thousand views right now. Oh, We're wow. getting there. Yeah. There you go. My there highest go. one so far and I to date 400 is followers today. Quarter of a million views on one Damn. video. Yeah, one video I was rolling the Candela wrapper cigar, and that video has over a quarter million views. I don't know why that. It's just the green wrapper. People think it's weed. <laughs> and so TikTok is like, the craziest thing like? for me. I cannot yeah. figure it out. And granted, I'm an old guy, but uh -huh. um, I'll have one. Like I've had three or four that get into the multi hundred thousand views. But to me, it's the most random and boring ones that seem to just kind of take off. And then I'll do something that I think is just freaking amazing. And it's like crickets, you know, it's yeah. like 17 views. And I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And 17 people are like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I'll do something that I do 10 times a day. And for whatever reason, that particular video took off. Yeah, I, I had one, though, I, I can attribute it to the song choice. And it was the Pretty Reckless. I don't know if you know the Pretty Reckless. I know who it is. Uh, Cindy Lou Who mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. uh, the Grinch movie turned up super hot yeah. and rock star. Taylor Momsen is her yeah. name. Yeah. Um, and uh, the band's TikTok actually liked and commented on the video that I used Bonus. their song for. That was pretty cool. Well, so, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. The other ways you can reach us uh, on our website, ultimocigars.com, or swing by the shop at uh, 31st and Sheridan. Is that changing?